Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Inside Al Snow's Head. I'm the man lucky enough to be riding along, Jared Orr, with our driver, Mr. Al Snow. Al, how you doing, man? Doing great. How are you, Jared? Uh, I'm excited to uh, to be here again and get another episode out. It's a little cold here in Portland. Um, the snow fell today, which is my fault probably because I was making fun of everybody out east who had that terrible snowstorm while we had 50 and 60 degree weather. And then I wake up today, the kids are off school, the snow's on the ground, and it's ice cold here and everybody out there is having spring weather. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, in uh, Kentucky, it's been, it's been a good 50, 60 degrees, uh, and I could handle what you know winter being like that every year believe me yeah well as you know from buffalo new york where we really had some outrageous weather i mean there was times i remember i had a an acura rl so it was a sedan but it was all-wheel drive and i was driving home from a friend's house the one time at midnight and i was literally like a plow the snow was coming over the hood of the car onto the you know so I, i'm i'm used to getting feet of snow but when you don't have it for so long and then it comes i, I woke, woke up this morning and i was just kind of like Ugh. But nonetheless, yeah. uh, here we are, and uh, and I am excited to get another episode out. A ton of response uh, from our last episode talking about some of the stuff that's going on in wrestling. Fans seem to really enjoy uh, hearing what you thought and, and some of your perspective on what's going on with that, and that was really pretty neat. And the wrestling world still is uh, just on fire. I spend a lot of time looking at a lot of these different pages and, and what people are talking about. And uh, it, it's kind of gotten almost comical for me at this point. I don't know. My dad's a huge Woody Allen fan, so Annie Hall was a staple in my house growing up. I don't know if you've you've ever seen it, but uh, yeah. In the, in the very beginning, Woody Allen tells a joke about two women sitting down eating dinner, and uh, the one woman looks over and says, "Gosh, the food here is just horrible." And the other woman says, "Yeah, and the portions are so small." And uh, and that's kind of how I feel about wrestling fans right now. They, uh, they're dying to hate it is, is almost how I feel. They can't wait for it to come on so they can talk about how terrible it is. And my, my Twitter feed and my Facebook feed is full of people just talking about how awful it is. And that's what they do all day. And they really think that AEW is what's going to come and be the savior for, for all of that. Is this something that you've seen happen before in the business? I, I guess without social media early on, it wasn't as easy. But I guess there's always kind of been – it's been secular with the fans, right? Well, I would say this. Um, one of the truest statements ever made is that familiarity breeds contempt. And the more familiar you become with a subject or, uh, or you know, or uh, – something you're interested in, the more contemptuous you're going to become with it. And, you know, I, I can't blame social media and I can't blame the internet. I know that that's, that's a popular uh, tactic is to, to blame it and say that, you know, well, thanks to social media and thanks to the internet and thanks to podcasts. Hey, guess what we're doing? Um, that it's all that it's all their fault. You know, it's the fault of, you know, of the internet and, and, uh, uh the boogeyman, uh, you know, access to information when it's really not, it's the fault of, of those of us that are using social media and the internet and podcasts to basically give out all of that information and expose, um, our business, uh, to the world and allow, uh, an audience to become very, very familiar 
with uh, something that they really truly can't quite appreciate or if they haven't experienced. Um, wrestling business is a very unique entertainment business, and um, and it has a world all of its own with its own etiquette and its own expectations and its own demands and. And, you know, and if you're never, you're not privy, truly privy to that by being experiencing it, you know, you just don't get the full picture. And uh, and as a result, because of all that uh, access to that massive amount of information, you become very contemptuous of something you don't fully understand. Well, I, I know I've heard you talk about it a million times, and and needing to have the experience along with the information that's out there is what's what's key in being able to actually talk about it and and understand it uh and there's just not enough of that that's that's out there i will tell you that one of the things that i've heard you mention a million times on this podcast and i've i've told you this in private is the that you talk about time money and effort that you have to be Mm -hmm. willing to invest time money and effort into yourself and something that Nikolai and I have kind of taken to heart recently uh, and we did and uh, we're able to kind of take our business to the next level Um, and I don't really talk about it much but uh, harmonic social media is what we do and uh, with using that and a couple months ago we decided you know what we're going to revamp everything the way that we do things Um, we're going to put some time some money and some effort into ourselves and see if that comes back and it has big time for us recently so it's that's really something great. that's yeah something that was really pretty cool and uh, given us an opportunity to do some different things and you know I was talking about it and dude it's it's almost like you could you could write a book right <laughs> almost and speaking of books shameless plug I will be uh, releasing my book here very soon um, it's going to be coming out uh, in the next few months yes um, self help. Self-help, uh, which really the actual, I wanted the title to be How to Take Shit, Make Shoe Polish, and Other Lessons That I've Learned from Being in the Wrestling Business. But, you know, the editor and the publisher were like, no, mm, you can't really call it that. you got to call it self-help. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Right, sign here. Um, yeah. No, it's, uh, but, you know, it's it's funny because, just in this short period of time, just a, a little bit of advice and, and actually taking it and applying it. And it's, uh, it's amazing at the, the outcome that we've gotten from it. And I'll tell you, and I'm sure you were there plenty of times, but there was certainly a couple of times that was touch and go where we kind of looked at each other and went, Oh shit, did we, did we go too far <laughs> this time? Yeah. Uh, and then it didn't, and it worked out, it worked out pretty well. So that was the cool thing. Now the bad thing is, uh, I let Nikolai kind of uh, dot a lot of the I's and cross a lot of the T's. And as he was getting everything all set up and he gives me my email address, it's uh, harmonicsm.com. So, I, you know, I, I said, dude, s you couldn't come up with, you couldn't just say social media. It had to be harmonic SM. And he's, yeah. like, he's like looking at me like, what's what's wrong with that, dude? And I'm like, you know, oh, that Nikolai. I think, yeah, you know, I think Nikolai's a little sharper than what he tries to let on. He plays, <laughs> he plays the, the the dumb gimmick, you know, so that that way there's no heat. But uh, I think he's ribbing you. Yeah, I I think so too. Uh, but hey, you know what? He's done he's done a lot of good for for us and a lot of good for the show here. Which he's one of the unsung heroes. He spends hours after we're done recording, putting everything together and making it sound good and getting it out for us. Uh, so really good with that kind of stuff. Not so much at naming shit. So um, <laughs> clearly, yeah, that's okay though. That's uh, that's all right. Hey, but uh, it might it might it might uh, 
you know, it might get you a date in, a, in certain types of bars. When we were looking at uh, creating the logos, I told him, I was like, dude, why don't you just put like the ball gag in the A of harmonic with a little, <laughs> and uh, and he's looking at me like I've I've got three heads or something. I said, never mind, it's fine. Just you know, use that cute little thing that you designed there instead. That'll that'll work out <laughs> just fine. Um, so everybody's still talking a, a ton about AEW, and uh, they haven't had much new stuff to introduce. Although Meltzer did say that there are two strong TV deals on the uh, on the record for them, uh, be the best TV deals outside of WWE since WCW. I don't know what the hell that says. If that's what I, I'm saying, I'm not anything. sure either. But that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, crazy enough, Meltzer happens to have that information. I just want to point out that, you know, Meltzer said several times he has nothing to do with AEW, even though he is the biggest supporter of the Bucks and Cody and is the one that breaks all of the news. And the Bucks finishing move is the Meltzer driver. And the uh, Meltzer tells everybody how great all of those guys are. And they all become huge popular sellers at pro wrestling tees. But he has nothing to do with AEW. He said it several times. Uh, but he does somehow find out that they have some TV deals on so. Um, it really will be cool and exciting to watch as all of this develops. Um, unfortunately, what it's causing is this like outrageous trend on the internet of every single wrestler is leaving WWE to go to AEW. Um, and the big one has been Dean Ambrose that everyone's been talking about. And Dean Ambrose said that he's not renewing his contract. And then WWE came out and said that Dean Ambrose wasn't renewing his contract and he'll be done after WrestleMania. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just a fan from a fan looking in. I smell a work. I think it's bullshit. They're still putting him on TV every week with a lot of TV time. Although he did just put EC three over. Um, what do you think, Alan? I guess obviously you don't know, but from your experience and all the different things you've seen in the business, is, is this traditionally how you see a top star go out? They usually don't acknowledge that someone's contract is up and they're going to be leaving uh, in a public forum. And the reason that they don't is that they want to then try to exploit all the time, money, and effort they've put in to that particular guy by help allowing him to put over uh, talent on the way out. And, you know, kind of waters it down the effect of putting over the talent on the way out if people, the audience, knows that he's on his way out. And, doesn't mean as much that the uh, you know uh, remaining talent that beat them um, you know they doesn't get much out of it. So yeah, I'm not really sure. I know that you know things have changed. The way they they uh, they approach things is totally different. They have a tendency to uh, be more open and treat it much like uh, any other type of entertainment industry. I'm not here to say that that's right or wrong. Um, I do believe that at the end of the day, uh, the wrestling business isn't the same as every other entertainment industry. I mean, it is, it is its own unique animal, and I don't think that necessarily the right thing to do by you know treating it like it's it's any other form of entertainment, like a movie or you know like the wrestlers are actors because they're not. They're they're professional wrestlers. They're not actors. It's a different world with different reasons uh, that you ha and ways you have to do things and do conduct business. You know, we've talked about that. So, you know, I do find it odd that WWE is acknowledging this so openly and well, you know, long before 
you know, the events actually going to take place where the contract's actually up. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily a work, though. It's, it's going to be really tough to, to determine that. Yeah, and obviously there's no way to know. I, in the sales business, and I'm sure this is probably how it was at, at some point before it was contracts when you were just kind of night to night. If one of my salespeople came to me and said, hey, I'm putting in my two weeks notice because I'm going to a new company to sell stuff, they, they're done right then. I'm not keeping mm-hmm. you around for two weeks to collect all my data and all my information to then go and use it at your next sales job um, or, or whatever it may be. And I'm sure there was a time in the business when somebody said that, you know, they, they wanted out, they were leaving, that, you know, you, you probably got beat and then you were gone. They didn't continue to push you on TV for weeks or even months and give you that TV time to then send you off to their competitor, which is what everybody clearly thinks is happening. In my opinion, I could be I, wrong. I, I, that, I, I agree with you. I mean, you you would certainly, you know, if you knew that the person was leaving, um, you know, let's say a couple months from now, you would st- have them start, you know, you know, putting other people over on their way out, and then you know, finishing up. You know, with with AEW though, uh, and this is what makes me skeptical, is that historically, you know, WWE they they don't acknowledge anyone else in, in, in any fashion. And by doing this, they're fueling the fire, so to speak. And, uh, that, you know, Dean Ambrose, you know, and fueling the speculation that Dean Ambrose may very well be going to AEW. And in turn, by doing that, they're really kind of substantiating in the fans eyes and putting over AEW. And, you know, I, that would be very uncharacteristic of, WWE, in my opinion, if it weren't really, if it were not legit. Yeah, and again, I guess we'll we'll find out when it happens. But I just don't see them uh, building somebody up or even building them up to knock them down. I guess now I'm going to get sidetracked here because this is something that I want to know, and you would know this. In at the time when there was territories and there was a bunch of different companies to work for, and when you were leaving to go to another company did the promoter tell you listen don't don't go out soft don't let them don't let them beat you i mean was there times where you had to uh, was that a thing i mean did the new promoter getting you did he care that you got your ass kicked for the last four weeks before you came in oh no well back then you know you what happened in um yeah i guess it was know, regional. one territory it was very regional and they didn't you know they didn't see what was taking place in that you know other area you know what i mean the in you it was expected and the right thing to do was to do business on the way out to put over those people that put you over you, you, you that's why they you know called losing you know doing the favor you know because yeah. that it was expected to be returned um the favor was to be returned and you know when you you left the territory um you know you were to do the favor give give everybody else the push that you had gotten by what they did for you. So now you're, you know, doing it back for them. And that it's the only, it's only the, it's the only right way to do business. Now though, it's still pretty much expected and it is still a very important part of the, the wrestling business uh, as a whole. And you're still required really to do it as you leave the territory. And, you know, another you know another promoter is not going to expect you to do anything anything less. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, I just something that I always wondered, and then I guess as I was asking it, I realized that 
whatever you do in in Portland doesn't necessarily carry over when you head to Florida and uh, in those days, which I guess had to make it kind of cool for the workers. But well, we'll get into that another time because what I did do was ask our listeners on uh, Facebook and Twitter if they had any questions that they wanted to hear talked about on the show and wow, did I get an overwhelming response. So uh, I apologize to anyone's question that we're not going to go over today. I am going to be saving them all. We're going to get to all of your questions, um, you know, through each episode, I'll, I'll sprinkle a few in. So uh, if you don't hear one of yours today, don't, don't be upset. I, we will get to, to all of them, but really a great uh, response as far as uh, all of that goes. Um, the first one, which I think is really cool is from Anton Todorov. And he says, greetings from Bulgaria. Uh, I have a question. Uh, now that you have ownership of OVW, do you have any plans of fighting one last match in OVW? Uh, just asking for my viewing pleasure. P.S. I'm a huge mark for the real Al Snow. Thank you. So, huh. um, well, I, there is one out there. I knew it. There was one out there. <laughs> a, a listener from Bulgaria. And, uh, and I guess he wants to know, I guess never say never. I guess it's tough for you since you're in charge, so it'd be tough for you to book it. I think if Al Snow was going to have one more match in OVW, it would have to be something that would really be, really be cool, some kind of grudge. Maybe like uh, one of the trainers from the dogs in the, in the kennel in the cell match that's been tired of you for the last 20 years talking the, about how the, the dogs guy. weren't. Yeah, the that, one guy. Yeah. The one guy big splashed his dog as he ran out. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I've had enough of 20 years of you shoot interviewing about these dogs not being highly trained. Now I've trained myself in the ring, and I'm coming back to kick your ass. Now that <laughs> might be something. That might That's be something funny. to get Al, Al Snow back in the ring uh, in OVW. But I would imagine for the most part you plan on uh, on being backstage. Oh, predominantly, and yeah, I definitely am uh, going to be backstage. I It's very difficult to be standing deep in the forest because all you're going to end up doing is you're going to only look at the tree that's right in front of you and, you know, being responsible for the company as a whole and being responsible for all of the talent. I need to keep a, a you know, a far enough view to where I can, you know, I can see the whole forest and see what's best for everyone and not just myself. So I, I still love to get in the ring and I still love to perform and, you know, I still love to um, get out there in front of the fans and stuff. But as far as OVW is concerned, right now, anyways, my focus is more on the show itself and and all of the all of the young talent and trying to make them look as much like stars as possible. If there's a need and a reason, um, then we can do some business, and it will actually help to put somebody over one of the younger guys over. Then, by all means, I would certainly do it. And I, I, I certainly think that it would uh, it would be something that would be fun and exciting. But uh, as everybody knows, your your main goal at OVW is to to build those guys and, and get them up and going. And we're going to talk about some of those OVW guys in a few minutes here. Uh, John Schwab has a, a fun question, which is going to lead into a question that I've wanted to ask you as well. He said uh, he's heard what Jim Cornette has mentioned, how he thought you were kind of looked at um, after the Avatar debut. Um, didn't go as smoothly as it was supposed to, but how did you feel you were treated by WWE? Now, I don't know if you've heard the interview, but Jim Cornette kind of alluded to the fact that um, there was one thing, you know, Vince McMahon was looking for that 
uh, high-flying aerial assault type guy with Avatar. And Jim Cornette had mentioned that maybe the ring that WWE used with their ropes wasn't necessarily as conducive to that style that you were doing before. Um, and that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you with all the different places, do the different rings really matter for the style? Is it, is it really that different? Oh yeah. Yeah. But, you know, very much so back then those rings, uh, WWE, uh, WWF rings were totally designed differently than they are today. You know, not many guys, at that time were doing much, if anything, even off the top rope out of the corner. And the reason that they weren't was that the ring itself was really, really, really hard. I mean, it was very unforgiving. And, um, you know, the, uh, uh, that was when Dick, that was from the time period of Dick Ebersol and Saturday night's main event. Right. And he thought the ring looked a little too, bouncy so he wanted to shore it up and you know they had a lot of bigger guys back then too you know Ho, you know hogan was a top baby face and he was well over 300 pounds you know um you had yokozuna you know so when i came in there at that point in time the uh the ropes are were real rope um and they were very loose um and then uh you know as guys big guys would get out there and they would work it would stretch those ropes out even further. So they became very treacherous. And I had just, had just left uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and, you know, Jimmy uh, had steel cable on his, um, for his ropes, uh, steel aircraft cable, much like what WCW would have, and, um, you know, had them, you know, really taut, really tight. And it was at a point where, um, and not bragging, but I could, you know, I tell guys all the time, you know, uh, I could stand on the ring apron in the center of the ring apron, uh, spring up, turn around in midair, land on the top rope with both feet, and, and moonsault into the ring. There was, there was nothing for me to do that because the, the ropes were that stable. And I could do sit-out moonsaults and all kinds of different springboard stuff, and that was what allowed me to do all those things down there. When I got to WWE, that rope, those ropes were just so, so treacherous that I had to completely change my style, and as a result, I, I couldn't be what I think Vince envisioned. How do they not realize that coming in? How do they not watch tapes and go, "Hey, that's pretty cool," but he's not going to be able to do that shit in our ring? One, they didn't, they don't do that kind of stuff, you know. The, and two, Vince never watches your, he doesn't really watch you or see you. Uh, until you're in a WWE ring, you know, that's, it, that's the way it goes. He doesn't watch other wrestling shows. He has people who watch other wrestling shows and then they come to him and they recommend you based on what they've seen. Um, but he himself, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. They just assume, you know, Hey, he, he did it in that ring. He can do it in this ring. And, uh, it's not that simple. What was your favorite ring to work in? Was it the Smoky Mountain ring? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, and there were, there were, it was really, a, it was a good, well-designed ring. It really was. I would definitely put it as one of the, you know, top up there for sure. The WWE rings as they redesigned them because they had a, you know, they went to Jimmy and Jimmy helped and they had an engineer come in and they completely redesigned them. And I think they've actually redesigned them again, um, because they look like, you know, they don't, they don't bounce as much when the guys run anymore. Um, but they still look like they have a lot of give. 
Um, and, you know, those old WWF rings were so solid. You know, like one night um, I did an elbow drop off the second rope. And I remember, I think it was Owen Hart, may have, you know, was like, don't, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And, you know, I did. And typically when you do something like that, you'll, you'll see, hear the guy when he hits, you'll hear boom, you know, as the ring gives. And it honestly, it just went thud. And <laughs> I was in so much pain for days. I mean, just days where it just jacked my hip and my back up from hitting me because it was like I, I had jumped off on concrete. And, no. and it just did an elbow drop on concrete. And They're it, big, I mean, cushy it, mattresses waiting for you, right? Yeah, I wish that were the case. But Trampolines with just a little bit of... Yeah, just a trampoline with a little bit of padding. That's yeah, that's you know, people. I, I always wondered about that how how much different the ring the ring mattered. Did you like the having the bigger ring at at WWF? Well, the WWF used a, a twenty foot ring, which is I guess a bigger yeah. ring than is that was was that the same size in Smoky Mountain or was it the smaller ring like WCW used? Uh, Smoky Mountain used a uh, like an eighteen by eighteen. All right, so it wasn't uh, that much different. Yeah, yeah. The the thing is, you know, um, it, it's it's easier to transition up uh, than it is down. Um, you know, you you it's easier to adjust your timing because you want to when you 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 do anything in the ring, you always want to try to do it in the center of the ring. Um, one, because that's where the most give is, and so therefore it's that's the safest and easiest place to take a bump. The other reason, um, the real reason, is that that's the natural spotlight of the ring. And, uh, you know, that allows the entire building to see what you've just, you know, what's just happened. Um, uh, you know, when you're, you're working in a 16 by 16 ring, you know, you're going to take a half a step back you know, before you shoot your guy off. And the reason you're going to, t- you know, basically step into the ropes. But the only reason you do that is so that you can take that ha- that full step forward by doing that half step back and taking that full step forward. It puts you directly in the center of the ring in one one big step to allow you to take the bump, to allow the action to take place in that, you know, in that uh, spotlight. And uh, in a 20-foot ring, You've got to break yourself of that habit of walking all the way to the back of the ropes and shooting the guy across. You've got to literally shoot him more from the middle so that that way, you know, you take a step into the middle and then do the, take the move or do the move, perform it in the natural spotlight of the ring. Um, and you've, you've got to learn to adjust um, based on that distance. But distance-wise, um, a 20-footer will give you a little more uh, Timing-wise, it'll give you a little more luxury and a little more, you know, ability to. You don't have to be so intent. The action's not going to move quite as fast as it will if you're in the uh, sixteen by sixteen ring. It was always very noticeable the the ring size difference to me, even as a kid on WCW TV compared to WWF TV. Oh yeah. Um, it was just it was cut and dry, and uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why I liked the WWF product more. To be honest with you. Um, all right, so we've got a few more questions here. I'm going to knock off uh, T. Volts, I guess it is. Uh, he wants to know oh. who who your favorite body slammer student was from a summer class of 1997. <laughs> a summer class of 1997. Uh, I don't. <laughs> all of them. All of them were my favorites. Yes. <laughs> so, 
So here, it's funny you say that because he asked and I said, uh, I responded back and I said, I'm going to ask, but he is just going to give the answer and say that he liked them all. To to which he responded, like them all. That doesn't sound like him. Now, if he said they were all the drizzling and then left it blank. And uh, (laughs) I told him, I said, Al's pretty positive these days. Um, You know, so there's not. So then he came with a real question and he asked, Uh, Has the ability of so many to put their product out there led to the product being oversaturated? I think that it's allowed us a lot more variety. It allows people to have a lot more access to different styles and different directions and different ways that uh, promoters will operate. But uh, at the same time, as far as overexposure, I think that for WWE, you know, everybody... <clears throat> says, oh, three hours and for Raw and two hours for SmackDown and another hour for NXT. It's just overexposed. I don't think it's the product that's, over, you know, not the wrestling. I think it's the wrestlers. Case in point, I mean, look, you know, Randy Orton's been uh, with WWE how long? And he's been in that top spot for how long at this point? And, you know, not just, w, you know, uh, John Cena, even, re, you know, recent ones, Daniel Bryan, how long? You know, uh, The Miz, uh, one of my kids, how long? Um, you know, Alicia Fox, uh, Maurice, you know, they're, they're all people that I trained, you know, and, and they're, they've all had a very, and I'm grateful and so happy for them that they all have had such a lengthy run. But, you know, the, the wrestling business, you know, the wrestlers are a product. They're, they're, they're just like you know uh, an automobile. I mean, a lot of times you buy a new automobile, but you don't, you know, you don't buy a, an automobile because you absolutely a brand new one all the time because you need one. Car manufacturers don't make new models of cars every year just because you know they think that you just need a new car. They know that that drive that's what drives business is that you want the next newest. Same with iPhone. You know, people don't necessarily need a new iPhone, but they're going to buy one. Um, you know, they're going to buy the newest one. You know, they're going to go out there and pick it up because it's the new model. It has, you know, and that's what drives business. And with wrestlers, you know, back in the day, you were able to have a certain, you know, you'd have a certain one. You'd have a shelf life in a particular territory in Memphis. You know, you, you might go in there and your run might last you a good six, eight months. You never know. It might last you a year. Um, but at some point the run starts to die down. You're not as hot, you know, you're not as fresh anymore. You know, they, they, uh, and so you, you go to another territory, you leave, you, you know, you go down and you start working in uh, Florida for, you know, Eddie Graham. And now your run lasts, you know, it only lasts for a couple, uh, it only lasts for half the time. It only lasts for three months. You just couldn't seem to quite get over, you know, down there for whatever reason and just didn't work. So. You go to Texas and you get hot and you stay hot and you run, you know, you stay there for two years and it's a good run, but it comes to an end, you know, and now you make your way back to Memphis. Now you get over even more because the audience knows you, knew you from before, but you're brand new, you're fresh again. It's, you know, it's a all new matchup now, you know, um, and uh, you're back to being entertaining again, you know, and um, people care about you again um, because you're new again. You know, look at Undertaker. I mean, he, you know, he's been able to last as long as he has, and a large part of that is because he's he takes himself away. Um, you know, he leaves leaves the territory, and you know, 
kind of in this self-imposed exile and then comes back and he's still just as much of an attraction then. You know, he's brand new all over again. Um, but with a little bit of a, you know, a history and, and an established brand that, you know, the, the audience wants to see again and relive. Um, but if he just stay there week in, week out, you know, it just burn it, burn it out, burn it to the ground. Well, we've talked about that with the, with lots of different uh, characters, and uh, we've talked about that same thing with Brock Lesnar. If you had him there every single week, he would have gone through the entire roster. There'd be nothing left, and then what do you do? How do you how do you stretch him out from program to program? True, and how and how much of a threat does he look like if he's every week he's wrestling different guys that aren't quite his size that he can't seem to handle or beat, you know? And now. Um, it's not as much of an accomplishment for the guy that does finally beat him, you know, because, you know, other people have gotten offense on him and, you know, shown that he's just human and he is beatable and, you know, as opposed to he just comes in as an attraction. And I made a suggestion while I was up there a long time ago that I thought that it would be wise business on their part um, that they um, basically, they, they create seasons for the wrestlers where they, you know, six month runs or eight month, six or eight month runs where they bring in a John Cena. John Cena's, you know, fresh and he's back on TV. And he has, you know, you, you put him on TV and you take him around all the shows and, you know, you really um, get every bit that you can out of him. And then when it's, it's starting to get toward the end of the run, and let's say you're bringing in Randy Orton, Randy Orton comes in and, you know, he's, John Cena starts putting Randy Orton over and then he goes home and you pay him. You pay him, you know, you're not going to pay him the same amount as you would if he were sure. out on the road, but you're going to pay him to sit at home, you know, and rest and recover. And that way he comes back, you know, he's healed up and he's more healthy and rejuvenated and, you know, more excited about being back to, you know, doing what he loves to do. Um, so his career is longer and you're going to end up ultimately making more money off of him by always bringing back a rejuvenated and new product again, you know, but uh, they have a tendency to, you know, the business is, is that you get somebody, you get them over, you get them hot. And now you just, you just run them until you you can't run them no more. Run them into the ground. Uh, Hey, here's a fun question. Obviously a fan of yours, somebody that's listened to the show um, since episode one and has done their research. Adrian Norris wants to know, can Al remember any skateboards he had, like his first or his favorite? Oh, yeah. I had, uh, um, what was the, um, trying to think of what the brand was. I think it was like a Huffy. And it was a, uh, was a fiberglass, and it was, uh, yellow. Um, and I, I rode that thing everywhere. I mean, I never, I would, I would ride it before I'd even ride my bike. I'd ride it all over town. And, um, uh, I liked it because it had a flex to the board, you know, as I would, I would kick off and I'd get going, the board would flex with what I, and, and if I would try to do turns or I'd do cuts on it, the board would flex and I could, I really could keep my balance very well that way. Well, there you go, Adrian. Now you uh, now you know about Al's favorite skateboard. I think that was really cool because I think it was probably in the first or second episode you had talked about how you, you skateboarded everywhere. And, oh, I did. Uh, and when I saw that pop up, I thought that was uh, that was really pretty cool. 
Here's a question. Jared Rowe. How does Al decide what wrestlers he wants to honor with collar and elbow t-shirts? Well, I'll tell you how it doesn't get done. It doesn't get done by contacting Rod Hicks. Rod, do you hear me? Okay. Uh, in fact, the last time I talked to Rod, he told me that my application was denied because I'm guilty by association. Um, so, um, but I do, uh, I do know that there is a link on the collar and elbow website for folks that are looking, uh, to, to be sponsors or to represent it. Um, sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's open, sometimes it's not, but, uh, that's the, that's the answer to that, Jared, you go to collar and elbow brand.com and look for the link that says want to be a sponsored athlete. And for you, Rod Hicks, you click on the email that I sent you and you approve the code so we can get the fans listening to the shows here. Um, <laughs> now, yeah. that I've, now that I've gotten that off of now my, that you've done your rant, yeah. now that I've gotten hey. that off my chest, uh, and we look, hey, we, here's what I look for. I look for people that are really passionate about professional wrestling. You know, the whole concept of of the, uh, you know, sponsored athlete thing was, was twofold. It was quite honestly, it was a marketing way to inexpensively and effectively, you know, uh, market the brand. And it was also to quite really sincerely, it was a way for guys who, you know, love the business and, haven't quite developed a, a brand of their own that could, you know, where they could sell gimmicks of their own to get a brand that was recognized and was over and that they could in turn sell and then make some money off of to help kind of, you know, make ends meet a little bit, you know, and uh, survive. Cause I know what it was like. I still remember what it was like, you know, um, first starting out and not making any money or very little, if any, and, uh, you know, I was, you know, I would have been thrilled if somebody would have came to me and been like, Hey, can you, you know, would you sell these, these shirts? We'll give you five bucks a shirt. I've been like, Oh my God, please tell me, tell me what grocery store your wife's coming out of. Make sure it's canned good day. So she can't push the cart too fast. I'd run her over with a car for it. So, uh, you know what, speaking of those collar and elbow sponsored athletes, I'm going to do something that I, I, we typically don't do, but, uh, this isn't a, a paid ad or anything like that, but I felt like I had to, to bring this up a good friend of collar and elbow who, uh, probably posts more collar and elbow than collar and elbow pro posts, uh, Chris McFarlane or Chris Slammer. Oh yeah. Um, his wife, uh, Heather McFarland has kind of, uh, started doing her own little business. She's a, an authorized Disney vacation planner. And, uh, and I was talking to Chris about it and he, he shared it and it, I got invited to the page uh, and him and I were talking a little bit about it. And I said, you know what, man, you guys, uh, you do so much for collar and elbow. You post so much. Um, you know, I want to mention this on the podcast with Al, if you, if you don't mind. Um, so his wife, you can find her on Facebook, Heather McFarland, uh, at let it go journeys. And, uh, this is really one of those cool deals where you just contact her and, and they set everything up for you soup to nuts on your on your Disney trip. So just a, wow, just a, that's tremendous. Yeah, just a quick plug for somebody that's really done a lot to to plug collar and elbow. And uh, I constantly see him on there. So uh, I told him that I was going to bring that up and I wanted to bring that up. Um, speaking of uh, collar and elbow, 
Uh, I don't know if anybody's been able to hop on the website recently, but uh, there's always new designs that are that are popping up. You guys are really doing, got some awesome shirts that are coming out, and uh, and I'm not just saying that because of the affiliation with the podcast. Uh, they really are. Uh, uh, really cool shirts and some of the most comfortable shirts that you can get. Uh, what is your, uh, what's your favorite collar and elbow shirt right now? Al? I know they change all the time, but right now what's your, what's your go-to? I'd say I, I really like that Irish whip t-shirt that we just came out with. I haven't gotten one yet. I'll only point out Rod. I haven't gotten uh, Irish whip t-shirt yet, but I really think that one looks cool. And the jet, the, do you see the, the new winter jacket that we made? That jacket looks really cool. It does, and I haven't got one of those either. So, uh, Rod. Um, Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Who do you uh, got to know? I don't know. You got to know somebody, and clearly I don't, oh, <laughs> even man. though I own the company. So, <laughs> brutal. Yeah, those uh, those Caranobo shirts. In fact, uh, another cheap uh, shameless plug that I keep forgetting about, uh, but our friends over at The Closed Fist um, have all just ordered their Mean Jean shirts. Um, and oh, for those sure. of us... For those of us that are listening, uh, Al and I did a, uh, a quick run-in, I guess, on the, the Closed Fist podcast this summer, which you can find on YouTube or on their Facebook page, The Closed Fist. But uh, friends of mine from, uh, from Buffalo, New York, and uh, Joey Fingers, Will and Russ uh, out there talking Joey about Fingers. Joey, Joey Fingers. Joey Fingers. You can't beat it. And, uh, and of course, they do their show at the world-famous uh, Transit Bar and Grill right there in Buffalo, my favorite place to get chicken wings when I'm in Buffalo. So uh, another another cheap plug for our friends. But they did both, uh, or all three of them actually, excuse me, just ordered up their Mean Gene t-shirts. And, and that's probably my favorite right now uh, on the collar and elbow brand.com site. Uh, there's a few special edition Mean Gene shirts. And I understand that the proceeds are going directly to Gene's family, right? Yeah, they are. We're you know trying to do what we can to help a uh, you know our wonderful friend Gene's family out. You know, um, you know with their loss and everything. So sure, it's uh, it's a lot to take on, and uh, and this is just a cool way for you to uh, one get an awesome shirt and uh, and commemorate one of the all time greats from the business, and uh, and then know that you're kind of helping out to uh, to show some love and support to the family. Really cool shirts, though, um, and there's so there's two different styles that are that are available, and uh, and I, like I said, I posted that, and the guys from the Closed Fists all posted their pictures with them, so uh, I wanted to uh, to throw that out there, and for our listeners, if you guys uh, want to check them out, they're uh, they're on the closed at the Closed Fist uh, on Facebook and Twitter. In fact, I just saw them interviewing uh, Billy Gunn. Uh, at one of the local conventions talking AEW. I know those guys are real excited about AEW, even though one of them is a raw mark and he made a comment, which was kind of a little bit funny. Uh, it's been going around. Mm -hmm. It's been going around uh, Facebook saying that until there's a match card actually set, AEW is just a t-shirt company. Um, which really, yeah, which I mean, if you think about it, there's, you know, they're selling t-shirts. That's what they're doing so far. They don't have a website set up. They don't have a, an actual match card or anything set up for any of their shows. Uh, so, you know, right now they're, they're kind of just in the t-shirt game until they get any of that, uh, any of that stuff going. Well, I hope quite honestly, I really hope that, uh, it turns out like everybody's speculating and I, you know, I really hope that it is a. Because uh, it already is a boon to professional wrestling as a whole. You know, it really, really has, you know, already out of the gate helped so many people. You know, that 
uh, Abyss, uh, Chris Park, and Shane Helms, and Sean, De- you know, Davari and Sanjay Dutt, you know, have been hired back with uh, with WWE, and I there's speculation, okay, and it's all it is is speculation that, you know, a lot of the motivation to do that, that there, there's two two schools of thought. One is that they're gearing up for uh, Fox, um, Fox Network, and then there's also the school of thought that they are they're trying to clean the board a little bit of any possible um, assets that could help produce a show or an up-and-coming company. So, you know, the the, the producers, the uh, agents of wrestling, you know, Simon Diamond, Pat, Kenny, and I used to talk about this. I mean, they, it's a very, they're a very rare and very valuable, if they can do it well, uh, breed. You know, you, you, they just don't grow on trees. Um, you've got to really try to go out and find those people. And, uh, you know, that generation that has been up there for a very long time and, and Arn Anderson and Dean Malenko and, you know, those guys are, they're great, but they're starting to, you know, much like the previous generation of Korea and, you know, uh, Chief J Strongbow and Pat Patterson, Pat, 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 you know, all those guys are starting, they went they're you know, have went away and, you know, Pat's still around, but is definitely not there nearly as much. So all of those people are started to, you know, be moved, phased out. And now, you know, it's happening with this generation as well. And now there's got to be that next generation. And, you know, it's given these guys an opportunity. But it also takes away assets that any other company would have that they could use. Um, they don't Now they don't have that access to all right, I'm going to squeeze in one more fan question because it's from a, a guy who uh, showed a lot of support for the show, Ben Wing, over the time. So uh, he wants to know what you think about Ronda Rousey um, being in the WWF. He thinks that she's a little rough around the edges with her match work, and he gets annoyed with her smiling and waving to the crowd and then game-facing for her promos, um, especially the one that she did on Raw. Um, I guess... He wants to know what your personal. I think Ronda Rousey's doing an awesome job. That's my. I think she. I think she's doing. I think she's amazing. I think she's one of the few who truly gets the idea of what the word to work a a wrestling match is, Um, and and I think that's directly because she comes from, you know, uh, a real competitive fighting environment, and so she understands and knows how to go out there and behave and perform in such a manner that makes it easy for you to kind of buy into and believe that she's really trying to win. I've watched her several times. I, I don't, I haven't watched a bunch of times, but I've watched her several times and you know, her debut match, which I, you know, they, of course I'm sure practiced and everything, but there's stuff that you can't practice and there's things that you can't teach that Ronda Rousey does naturally. And she does it awesome. I mean, she's a, She's a believable person, and, you know, she doesn't do things that don't make sense or are illogical. She goes out there and looks like she's trying to do the two main things that a wrestler should always be trying to do, and that is she always looks like she's attempting to win and trying not to lose, you know. And she's she very believable. Does a great job. Yeah, she does a great job, and she gets it, and, and it's sad that a person, you know, it's great for her. And it's a testament to her talent and her uh, ability that she gets it so quick and understands it so well compared to uh, not only the wrestlers themselves that are uh, 
uh, majority that are in the wrestling business these days, but also the the um, the really hardcore or intense and passionate fans themselves as well um, don't understand and don't appreciate just how really good she is because the wrestling business has become so mutated from what it's really supposed to be. It's unreal some of the hate that she gets, and I just don't understand it. I think that she's a, a great character. She's fun to watch. She's believable. Um, it's it's one of the things that I really enjoy about the emotion. program right now is her. Yeah, she shows emotion. She reacts to things that are happening in the moment. You know, I mean, how can you knock her? She's tremendous. I think it's just one of those things where it's become popular to hate her because she came from the UFC, and yeah, that's just... And I guess, you know, listen, she got pushed to the top pretty fast, obviously, but she's she badass. I believe oh. that she should be at the top, so I had no yeah. problem with it. Well, and she carried it. If she, if, if she got pushed to the top and couldn't have carried it, they'd have dropped her and they'd have moved on. You know, it would have been that simple. Um, they're not going to keep, you know, putting steam in her if, if she's not going to be able to carry the load. And, uh, you know, let's face it, she obviously can, because if she couldn't, she wouldn't be there. And, and those of that are like, well, that's not fair, you know, just because she came from no UFC or whatever, and she gets this, same with Brock. Hey, ain't Walmart. You're not entitled to anything in the professional wrestling business. You're not even entitled to get paid. I know that a lot of people like to believe they are. But your value is directly in relationship to how many tickets will be sold based on your name. And she walks in, she had a name. If you wish to be in that position, do everything you can that's within your control to invest in yourself with your effort, your time, and your money to make yourself a draw. Don't just be a good wrestler. Be a draw, be an attraction, be somebody that when somebody walks and sees any form of advertisement, walks into a convenience store, sees a flyer, and sees just your name, not wrestling, nothing else, sees a picture of you and your name, and then that person goes, oh, shoot, they're on that card? Uh, I got to buy a $10 ticket, or 20 or 35 or 55 or a $75 ticket to see that person. I'm going to leave my house. I'm going to drive to a building. I'm going to pay a ridiculous amount of money to park my car, which is insane. And then uh, I'm going to pay even more, more money to go sit in some seats around people I don't want to sit around, to pay for food I don't want to eat, to watch this guy do his job. Do that. You want, it, you get, you want that spot? Make yourself more of an attraction than Ronda Rousey is. It would have bothered me more if she came in and was getting beat because – I know for a fact that she's, I've seen her kick legitimate ass. So for her to come in and, and be laying down right away, that would bother me, I would think. Well, and you're not taking advantage of who and what she brings to the table right out of the gate. You know, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. You know, that's just bad business. So it, all for a sake of ego, that, that's just, that's not good. That's not, that's not wise decision making. So, and it's all about drawing money. That's what this whole that's whole thing is. It's all about drawing money. It's all about motivating someone to leave their house and pay to see you do your job. And in this day and age, that is becoming increasingly more difficult and even more of a challenge. I mean, I, I, I say it all the time. 
you know, how many multi, multi million dollar productions of that Hollywood puts out. Do you ever actually get motivated enough to leave your house and go to a dark movie theater where you sit in a leather recliner and watch the movie to pay to watch that film? Not many, not many or not often. And now we're going to try to get you to do that, to go sit in a really crappy, shitty seat, some folding chair, for two hours. Feet stuck to the floor. Yeah, your feet are stuck to, God only knows, in in some arena. uh, Either it's too cold or too hot. And and you're going to pay to watch two men, basically, uh, you know, two meat-slapping mastodons uh, fake fight each other in their underwear and all buttered up like a tub of popcorn. So, you know. Sounds amazing. It's a tough, it's, and it's a man, you know, it's a tough job to convince people to, you know, hey, yeah, I want to go spend my money to watch this, you know, so, you know, that you got to be, you got to be good. I mean, you got to be really good. And, and I've said this before the only thing about the wrestling business that's really truly changed is the level of sophistication of today's audience. And so, you know, people pay their money because they want to believe. You know, the, 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 the whole ridiculousness of uh, is it fake? Uh, my <sighs> answer to that nowadays, my answer to that nowadays is not, you know, my answer to that is, would you want it to be real? I mean, it's so much better fake. It's so much better knowing that it's predetermined. Um, and it's so much more entertaining. Why would you ever want it to be real? I mean, they would suck. Real fights are not that much fun to watch. They're kind of boring. Yeah, and, and people get hurt. Well, yeah, it's, yeah that not that Not that they don't get hurt doing it the way, but it's intent to it's injure aside. rather than intent to entertain. Correct. And, it, and But they're, they're quite honestly, 98% of fights all end up on the ground. And, right. you know, that's why they've changed the rules in UFC is to enable the action to stay more upright and, all, and, and more uh, striking-centric as opposed to down on the mat and doing the grappling because the, it, grappling, even though I have an appreciation for it, the general audience thinks it's boring because they can't really see what's happening or understand what it, what's taking place. You know, they see a bunch of tangled-up knots, two guys rolling around, and then all of a sudden one guy, you know, stretches out and the other guy's screaming and tapping, and they go, what the hell just happened? But now two guys are standing up, and one guy kicks the other guy's head off like Pele does in soccer. Hey, that was awesome. And they, they purposely reconstructed the rules to enable it to be that way because it draws more of an audience. Because more of an audience can see it take place and understand it and appreciate it. And same goes for professional wrestling. Back in the day, you know, professional wrestling was quite honestly incredibly boring. And matches lasted for hours where people just grabbed a hold and laid there when they were doing legitimate catch wrestling. I, I would I thank God it's fake. Jesus. I, I just had an argument with, well, not an argument, but a debate with somebody online that was explaining to me why, uh, couldn't understand why everyone said Ric Flair was so great because in a shoot match, you know, one of the Briscoes or one of the Funks would have twisted him up like a pretzel. And I'm like, 
yeah, but it's a worked business. So who gives a shit what would happen in a shoot wrestling match? That has nothing to do with what makes somebody great. And, well, he, he wrestled, you know, and he made people look great is what made Ric Flair so great, was how well he could make the opponents look. But in a shoot wrestling match, who gives a shit who could win in that? That's got nothing to do with, this is an entertainment. Listen, Carl Gotch was probably one of the, you know, most dangerous guys around. And, you know, he didn't draw a whole lot of money. And the reason he didn't draw a whole lot of money, a lot of guys didn't like to get in the ring and work with him because, you know, they were afraid of him. So, you know, I, I'd rather be Ric Flair. And I'd have rather made the money that Ric Flair made um, than Carl Gotch. Just, just me. Yeah, know? Ric Flair yeah. probably did okay throughout his time. So, uh, one Eventually, of the Eventually, th- yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> I think I... Okay. Yeah, I'm sure he did. He did just fine. Uh, one of the things that you uh, mentioned was Abyss. Um, it was all over the news. Everyone saw it. Uh, Abyss is taking a job with the WWE. Uh, it's speculated it's going to be backstage, but who knows what may end up happening. Um, so what what happened? Abyss just took the OVW strap and went to Connecticut, or? Uh, he came um, and wrestled uh, Tony Gunn. Um, you know, Tony Gunn had won the uh, the uh, Nightmare Rumble, uh, which meant that he had had the opportunity for a heavyweight title shot when he where he wanted it. And uh, Abyss returned, and uh, they had a great uh, match. Um, and and Tony uh, won the uh, OVW heavyweight title. It really was an awesome match, and uh, Tony Gunn, obviously, I don't know him personally. I follow him on social media. I watch what he's doing. I've seen him on OVW TV uh, over and over again. Really a lot of fun to a lot of fun to watch uh, in the ring. Uh, I just really enjoy uh, uh, his entire character and, and how he works in the ring, um, and I'm really excited to see, uh, to see him continue to go on in OVW. Uh, another thing that I know I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to put it over again. Dude, I love that OVW title. That is such a good-looking belt. Oh, thank you. I um, actually convinced Danny the last time I was I was here with TNA. During that time, I convinced Danny that we should retire the old OVW belt and get a new one. I had worked a deal out with a belt designer um, who, uh, you know, we worked together and designed that belt and, I, I really, you know, I've coming back and now seeing the title again, I've gotten a, a real new appreciation for it. I really like it. I think it's a very classic look, and uh, I think it, it's really awesome. The, the designs of championship belts are one of the things that I miss. When people talk about the stuff that they miss in wrestling, to me, it's the little thing. I, I miss the classic championship belt styles. Um, I genuinely miss the wrestlers coming down the aisle, walking down an aisle to the ring, maybe even a little bend. How they had it at Royal Rumble set up was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Those are those are some of the things that I, I really miss. And the other thing that I miss is I miss the surprise. I think that the internet and the dirt sheets and all of that has eliminated. I used to love waking up Saturday morning, sit down, start watching wrestling, and oh my God, it's the Road Warriors on WWF TV. What just happened? Um 
and you don't you don't get that really that much anymore. You always know when someone's contract's up and when they're leaving or where they're going. Those are the things that I that I miss the most about the business. Um, was that was that surprise? That element of surprise I think is pretty much completely gone. Um, the only surprise is how is it going to happen? I guess. Yeah, but you can, you know, you have control over that because you, you know, I, I you know, I say it all the time that I. Um, I have a very vested interest in the wrestling business, but my online uh, experience it has nothing to do with uh, wrestling. You know, I don't go. I'm like the average person. You know, I go check my emails, and uh, you know, I uh, go on Instagram and Facebook on your social media and kind of just look at stuff that interests me, and and then you know, that's about it. I mean. I don't go on wrestling websites. I don't, you know, you know, I just, I don't look for information because, you know, I'm only worried about OVW. I'm much like Vince in that manner. You know, Vince only worries about WWE. I only worry about OVW. Um, you know, it's interesting if I hear about it, you know, but a lot of times I find out stuff when you and I do this podcast. I, I don't even know what's going on most of the time. Like You had to smarten me up to the Dean Ambrose thing before we went on the air. I was like, oh, I didn't know. I, yeah. I I try to tell people all the time, like, listen, Al is in a uh, Al's in a very tight bubble for what he's doing with his yeah. uh, with what he's going on, and most of the time, I, I believe that I'm the one that's filling him in on the on the happenings that are going on around him uh, in the in the business. Which hey, if, if if it weren't for you or my son Evan, I, I wouldn't have a clue of what, what's taking place outside in the wrestling world a lot of times. You know, I'll come home and Evan will be, oh, did you hear so-and-so did this or they're leaving or uh, so-and-so's got, you know, has gotten in trouble backstage. I'm like, what, really? I, I had no idea. And, I, you know, and people will ask me questions and they'll, you know, they'll, what's, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on that? And I'll be like, I, I didn't even know that was happening. And they'll be like, oh, come on, man. You just, you're just trying to ride the fence. You don't want to get any heat. I'm like, you're right. One, I don't want to get any heated. I'm just too old and too tired to do that shit anymore. And two, um, I genuinely don't know what you're talking about. So, you know. Is there, do, do you find that there's still heat between, like, I know we've kind of touched on this before. There's so many shoot interviews out there, man, and people are out there telling stories, and and then everybody runs into each other at WrestleCon before WrestleMania or at a yeah, convention. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, is are there people being like, "Yo, dude, man, I, I heard you say that." I, does that happen at all, or does everyone just kind of understand mm. that it's the business and it is what it is? There is that understanding. It's the business, and you know, and you know, we know what wrestlers are like, and we. You know, expect it. You know, you you know that it's going to happen. Um, you know, and it it it's it's typical. Sad to say, because we are a very very dysfunctional family. Um, you know, uh, but uh, at the same time, though, that they, like they, at the at the WrestleCon or was it WrestleCon? Yeah, I think it was. Just recently, uh, the one in New Orleans. Um, there was an incident that happened between uh, Davy Boy Smith, you know, Harry Smith and uh, Jake Roberts and, you know, uh, where, you know, Harry had thrown coffee on Jake and it was all in relationship to some shoot interview where, you know, Jake had made some comments about uh, Harry's dad and uh, from what I understand. And there was a big, 
a big incident, you know, and, and Harry was trying to get him to go outside so he could kind of, you know, smarten him up a little bit. And uh, Jake wouldn't do it and ultimately ended up, um, you know, uh, Harry ended up throwing coffee on him. So, do you, know, guys, do you guys all turn into just, to high school kids well, again and crowd around and point and fight, fight? Oh, no. Here what was so funny was, you know, I'm standing at the booth, right? And this happens way down the way. I can't see it. All of a sudden, I see Harry just marching his way down the aisle, and this chick is like, it looks like, it looks like he's dragging her, but it's, it turns out it's Jake Roberts' daughter, um, and she's holding on to him, trying to keep him from leaving, because it's right after the incident, right? And he's, mar- he's trying to get out of the building, and I, and I just see him, and I, you know, hey, Harry, how are you, man? He literally stops. As she's holding on to him, shakes my hand. Hey, good to see you, Al. I got to go. And then takes off again <laughs> with her in tow. And they go just slightly down past my table and around the corner where you can still see him. And then it all falls apart. She starts screaming, you know, at him and and uh, trying to get security to stop him from leaving. And then, you know, one thing leads to another and then he just takes off but literally in the middle of all this chaos you know harry stops shakes my hand says hi to me and then carries on and i'm like wow that was amazing polite lad isn't he oh he was he's a great guy you know i just i always wonder about that i always wonder about that because you you see these shoot interviews and you hear these things and i'm like man these people all said all these awful things just a few weeks ago you've got um you know a picture from a, a legends convention and you had Eric Bischoff and Honky Tonk Man both in the photo, and those two have like mega heat. Uh, Eric Bischoff still to this day talks about how uh, how he got joy out of firing the Honky Tonk Man, um, <laughs> and then there they are in a in a in a picture together. So I always wonder how that goes if it's like the old eh, it's the business type thing, or if people genuinely get hot about it. But it looks like they genuinely get get hot about it. It, it, it it's the business, and it also you know you gotta. You know, you know, you never, you never sell for somebody. You never put somebody over. You know, you, you know, you never let them win. Once you sell, you basically, you know, you can get basically somebody can whoop your ass. But the minute you sell for them, the minute you put them over, that's where they've won. So you never, they can whip your ass. You just never let them know that they did whip your ass. Dude, I follow Duke the Dumpster Drose, Mike Drosey, on uh, Facebook. I'm friends with him, and he always tells some stories from the road. And he tells a story about being on the road with uh, Sean Waltman, the one, two, three kid. And they're in the car together on Thanksgiving. And they went to Denny's. And, of course, the Denny's food was horrible. So Drosey decided he was just going to drink his protein shake, which he said gave him awful gas. Oh, yeah. And uh, he said they were driving in the car, and Drosy let one go, and he knew it was bad. And, you know, he locked the windows and cranked the heat up a little bit. And Waltman's sitting in the passenger seat, and he's he's chewing. He's got a big dip in his mouth with a bottle that he's spitting into. And after about a minute, you know, Drosy's laughing to himself, and he said, one, two, three kid looked over at me and goes, just so you know, I don't sell farts. <laughs> and right. kept spitting into the bottle. <laughs> Like, if he'd have sold it, then Drozzy would have went out of his way to constantly lock windows and keep shit in his pants. <laughs> I just thought that was so great. I don't sell farts. 
<laughs> which is uh which i guess is pretty pretty ideal for what you guys what you guys went through and what you did back then um so we talked about tony gunn the new ovw champion um what else is going on in ovw right now that fans should be checking out well we we're going to make a huge announcement uh, uh on wednesday's tv but I'll, I'll break it here that we're going to do a big combined show with Impact Wrestling, um, you know, March 2nd. Uh, the next uh, Saturday night special will have a huge uh, combined show with Impact Wrestling and uh, start working together uh, in a partnership with them and, um, you know, possibly working with them uh, as a development or feeder system for them as well. It certainly, makes, it certainly makes a ton of sense, and you know, I was hoping that you would something like this would happen uh, with OVW because you guys just have some awesome talent down there, and uh, I think this is a great way to to obviously get the product out there for more people to see and to to get your guys in the ring with with some of those guys and vice versa. It's just, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. Everybody kind of has to join together to, to take out the evil empire. And, uh, and I think that's something that's really cool and something that's really exciting. I'm happy that you were, you were able to work that out and, uh, and put something like that together. And, and gosh, man, maybe you could do even more in the future. And who knows where it leads from there. Oh, I'm looking forward to, you know, um, trying to create um, different cooperative uh, situations where, you know, it'll be very mutually beneficial for everyone in, involved. You know, I, I, like you said, you know, and I, I wouldn't refer to WWE as the evil empire. I mean, they are an empire, but let's face it. I mean, they've earned everything they got and <clears throat> good for them. I mean, they have, they're, they're what keeps this business alive. If it, you know, wasn't for WWE, I mean, we, we certainly probably not will have be having the podcast, having a conversation about wrestling. Um, so we should all be very grateful uh, for them, you know, but um, you know, right now with everybody's resources and stuff stretched thin and, you know, the best thing to do is to try to work together as much as possible to, you know, capitalize on, um, opportunities that where you can have, uh, you know, more resources by working together than you can by working against each other. How excited is the locker room at OVW to be able to get this expanded, uh, you know, to have more eyes on them and to be able to get in the ring with some, some new, some new talent. Are they, they all pretty excited about that? Oh, they're thrilled. I mean, they really are. They think, you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be, you know, um, and we're just going to keep growing. We're just going to, I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, build OVW up into, you know, what I've always felt that it could be and should be not that it, it, it's been bad or been less than what it, it is or it could be, uh, I just want it to not only survive, I want it to thrive. I want to, you know, do Danny Davis's legacy, you know, proud and and uh, take what he has helped build and uh, just use that and build off of it and, you know, sky's the limit. And, and create, give another option for both the fans and the wrestlers themselves um, to have a place to where they can, you know, watch what they love to watch and do what they love to do and have a viable way of, of uh, making a living um, in professional wrestling. Well, the, the product's just been a lot of fun. And uh, it was one of those products that, you know, I, like I said, it kind of escaped my mind for, for so long. And then when the, nose, the, the news broke, 
um, about you taking it over. Um, obviously, it was really important to me because I thought you were going to say you didn't want to do a podcast anymore. Uh, but no, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, it really kind of put it back into the spotlight and, uh, and, and made me watch it and, and kind of check it out. And we really had a, uh, a, a really an awesome an awesome product to be able to watch. And I look forward to see uh, how much farther you could take it and then have these partnerships with TNA and uh, who knows, who knows what else pops up. Um, there's just a lot of fun and exciting stuff going on over at ovwrestling.com. Uh, again, guys, Ohio Valley Wrestling. If you're one of the, one of the people that are complaining about the food being so shitty and the portions being so small, here's a new restaurant for you to go to. Uh, if you want to give Monday Night Raw or SmackDown a, a little bit of a break, um, you know, Al Snow and the boys over at Ohio Valley Wrestling are really doing some, some fun things and, uh, and well, worth, uh, well worth checking it out. Um, so you have uh, what do you have coming up? You've got a, another weekend show this weekend. Uh, yeah, we have a, a show uh, Friday night. Uh, we have uh, Hall of Fame Hall of Famer uh, Road Warrior Animal will be in, and uh, he'll be there to you know do a meet and greet um, with the fans. And uh, you know he has an association with Crimson and uh, Jax, uh, the War Kings, and. Um, we're also going to have him on Saturday for the school. You know, he's going to do a seminar, um, which is an incredible opportunity for anybody out there, you know, to learn from somebody who quite honestly was, you know, he was on top in every territory that he and Hawk went to and were on top in, you know, Japan for, for years. And so the wealth of experience and knowledge that this guy has, um, is certainly something that I would encourage anyone to try to take advantage of and show up and pick his brain. You know, if you really truly want to, if you want to succeed, succeed, it's going to require, you know, you to invest time, money, and effort in yourself. You know, you're going to have to show up and attend a seminar and actually listen and pay attention and ask questions. Um, you know, of, of these people that have went before and have that experience and have had that success. Um, and you may just learn a secret that might unlock, uh, you know, a door for you to allow you to, you know, go to that next level finally. I just don't think people, damn, I always do that. You people. I just don't <laughs> think that uh, it's understood now that there's these opportunities that are out there. And I know you've talked about it a million times that in your day, it was harder to, you know, it was easier to get into the mafia than it was to, to get into professional wrestling. And I think it was Bruce Pritchard. I don't know. I was listening to a wrestling podcast recently and they kind of said the same thing said, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to get in the business, the first part of it was to even figure out who trained wrestlers. And if you were smart enough to figure out who was doing the training, you had to go to them and be told no 40 times uh, before they would even consider you know, trying you out and then they would beat the shit out of you in hopes that you would leave. Um, mm -hmm. And now you've got these opportunities where you can walk in and pick the brain of people that did it at the very top of the business for so long. If that's just an amazing opportunity for somebody that wants to do this uh, at any level, whether you want to be behind the announcer table or you want to be a referee or you want to be in the ring. These are, these are opportunities that are there to be taken advantage of. Oh, unquestionably unquestionable and uh i met road warrior animal and hawk when i was like six years old seven years old at the keel auditorium in st louis and i was absolutely terrified of them then 
and uh, during the match they wrestled with Doom, uh, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed, which were two other huge animals, and they came crashing in the guardrail right at us, and I was never so terrified in my life. Uh, yeah, they were uh, they are just absolute monsters of of human beings. So uh, kind of cool to to be able to have Road Warrior Animal out there in Louisville. Other than that, I think uh, if we we talked about collar and elbow a little bit already. They're available at collarandelbowbrand.com. Right now, you can continue using code Snowman Rod Hicks. Uh, S-N-O-W-M-A-N. Uh, Snowman will save you 10% off your purchase. Guys, uh, if you are a wrestling fan, hop over to the Collar and Elbow brand website. Uh, there's a little clearance section that's set up, even if you don't want to break the bank. There's some awesome wrestling t-shirts on there right now that you guys have marked down for, you know, 9, 10, 11 bucks. Um, so even if you're a wrestling fan on the budget right now, there's uh, there's some awesome opportunities to get some great shirts, super affordable at collarandelbowbrand.com. You may notice guys like Jack Swagger wearing Collar and Elbow brand uh, all over social media who had a, a pretty big week himself and his MMA victory. That was really pretty neat. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and again, collarandelbowbrand.com. Ohio Valley Wrestling, guys, check it out. Al just let us know that uh, they've got a, a joint event with TNA and who knows what else might be coming up. They've got a new OVW champion and Tony Gunn. So uh, make sure you hop over to ovwrestling.com and check out all the action. Also on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling. YouTube, uh, OV Wrestling. You can check out all of the, uh, all of the shows if you're not in the Louisville area getting it on tv uh there's just a ton of ways to to get all of this information uh al is at the real al snow on facebook twitter and instagram with the blue check mark make sure there's the blue mm-hmm. check mark there yep. i am at or jarrett the show is at the real snow show on twitter and at inside al snow's head on facebook and uh we are out of time for this week guys thank you so much for joining us once again al had a lot of fun uh look forward to uh to getting this out to everybody and working on the next show for everyone already i am as well too i'm uh i can't tell you enough thank you and uh thank you nikolai you guys are awesome hey thank you al we'll uh, talk to you soon you guys have a wonderful week until next time this has been inside al snow's head Yeah.